0: grace and peace to you from God our father and from our lord and savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a quite a lot of misunderstanding among some Christians about the baptism of the holy spirit which we see John the baptizer refer to in our gospel reading for today. Many Christians think that this baptism of the holy spirit Uh, will manifest itself in supernatural signs uh, like speaking in tongues, uh, not even in in other human languages, but in some uh, unknown language of the angels or some other supernatural language, or in miraculous healings, or perhaps in direct revelations from God to the individual person. But the Bible doesn't actually give that indication. Instead, we see that through baptism, God establishes relationships. And that's equally true of the so-called water baptism uh, that John carried out uh, to prepare the hearts of the people for the ministry of Jesus, the Savior. Equally, also the so-called spirit baptism that John says Jesus will conduct. Now, going back a little bit to review what, what we have Learned from God's word about John the baptizer, uh, whom we we focused on his ministry of preparing the way for the Lord during the season of Advent. John was the son of Elizabeth. The Bible tells us Elizabeth was some kind of relative of Mary. And Mary, of course, the mother of Jesus. And already before John was born, while he was uh, about six months gestational age in his mother's womb, he was already at that time inspired by the Holy Spirit, to recognize that Mary, whose voice he heard through the wall of his mother's womb, that Mary herself was bearing the Savior, Jesus, at, at that point just in embryonic form in her own womb. And John, when he heard Mary's voice, he leaped for joy in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth, knowing that the mother, the Savior of the world, of his own Savior, was there in his presence. And then that's really all that the Bible tells us about John until he is a grown man and he is beginning his public ministry of preparing the hearts of the people to receive the Savior who was about to reveal himself on the world stage. And so we read in verse four of Mark chapter one that John carried out his ministry, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins so he was out in the the wilderness outside of, of jerusalem in the judean countryside and in verse 5 we read that the whole judean countryside and all the people of jerusalem were going out to him they were baptized by him in the jordan river as they confessed their sins so we see some inkling there that the baptism of john was all about relationship it was first of all as we see a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It was an opportunity for the people at that time who had apparently abandoned God or or at least strayed away from him and from his will as, as he conveyed it to them in his word, for them to turn from their sinful ways, perhaps from their idolatrous ways, and to come back into a relationship with God, the one true God. And so John the baptizer was the instrument of God to affect that change in relationship in the hearts of God's people and the tool that God gave John to use was the simple act of baptism and it is still a, a simple act today although to say simple Really is to give a a misimpression to imply that it's something to be taken lightly, which certainly it is not. But we say simple rather to emphasize the fact that you don't need anything complicated. All you need is water, plain water, and God's Word, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that through that outwardly simple looking act, God is actively at work to do powerful things in the hearts of those who are baptized and so those judeans the jewish people through baptism through confessing their sins and receiving forgiveness from god through baptism they were brought into a relationship with god through that simple looking action of john's baptism and so also we today at whatever age we are baptized we enter the family of god when the pastor or the the chaplain or Whoever it was took that water and spoke upon us the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It was at that instant that that, that amazing miracle happened, that something as simple as water connected with the Word of God ties us together to God as his dearly, dearly loved children And also the fact that we received the same baptism that John was administering 2,000 years ago to people then. So we are connected through baptism also together with all believers of all the centuries past from then until now. So there's that wonderful special link as well, connecting us to all the other Christians of eras past. The water that brought those residents of Jerusalem into a relationship with God is the same water that brings us into a relationship with God today. And today's Gospel reading also suggests that we look at John's relationship with Jesus. We read in verse 9 that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now that might raise some questions for us because we just read a few verses before that that baptism was for repentance and forgiveness. Well, then why would Jesus need to be baptized? We see very clearly throughout the Bible, especially in in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, that Jesus was without sin, that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he never sinned throughout his whole life. So why did Jesus need to be baptized? Well, we see... John conveying uh, that he knew that, that he was inadequate to be baptizing the Son of God himself, the sinless Messiah, the Savior of the world. We see in verse 7, John testifying to the other people about the Savior who was about to reveal himself. He said, One more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. And so it's clear that John was not bestowing forgiveness upon this eternal Son of God, this sinless Savior. But rather, John was simply fulfilling his role as a servant. John's relationship to God was one of a servant. That's what minister means. It means a servant. John's relationship to Jesus also was one of a servant. And we have also that same relationship with God. So now we take a look at Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, we ask the question, why was Jesus baptized? We're not asking why Jesus was baptized by John, but why he was baptized at all. It appears that Jesus, like John, uh, was living out a role that had been given to him. The role also of a servant. Now, that might strike us as a little bit odd. Well, isn't Jesus the Son of God? Why should he be a servant? But that's exactly what Jesus said his mission was. That's the reason that he came, not to be served by others, not to rule as a king on this earth and to enjoy uh, the luxury and honor and glory of, of an earthly king, but no, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so by being baptized, Jesus was carrying out that role of a servant. He was submitting himself to God's law, to to God's will. And part of God's will for us is to be baptized. And so Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, we read in Matthew's Gospel. So again, Jesus didn't need to be baptized for forgiveness of his sins. But he did need to be baptized in order to fulfill that role for which he came. To be the servant of all, and so there's a message for us also in that truth, that not only did Jesus give up his life on the cross in order to bestow everlasting life on all people, but his serving nature is also now to be a model for how we live in relationship to other people, whether that's in our families, our our uh, our broader uh, network of, of friends and, and acquaintances and co-workers, whatever roles and responsibilities we have in our lives. A servant is not a person who is, who is lowly, who grovels, uh, who is, just lets himself be walked on by other people. No, that's really doing an injustice to the way that Jesus was a servant for us. Rather, in the context of the Christian faith, Being a servant means being someone who supports someone else in in whatever area they might need assistance or care. And so if we're not supportive of one another in our relationships, we're really ultimately missing the point of our own baptisms. We're also missing the point of our Christian faith and lives as well. Being faithful to Jesus, being followers of Jesus, means not just living for ourselves, but also living for those with whom we are in a relationship. Of course, that means serving God, but also serving other people that God has called us into relationship with. And so Jesus proved himself to be a servant by being baptized, and God the Father said he was well pleased with this servant role of Jesus. After Jesus was baptized, God the Father himself spoke from heaven, saying, You are my son, whom I love. I am well pleased with you. John said that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And apparently, that marked a significant difference between the ministry of John, who baptized with water, and the ministry of Jesus. And so, again, we come back to that question what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Again, we ask, does it mean to speak in tongues? Does it mean to have the ability to heal the sick or for ourselves to have a miraculous healing? The clearest scriptural statement of what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit comes from the Apostle Paul, who speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says that the fruit of the Spirit are characteristics, virtues that the Holy Spirit produces. In the lives of a believer, of, of someone who has been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And those fruit of the Spirit, as we read in Galatians chapter 5, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. The Apostle Paul lists these characteristics in, in stark contrast to the person who lives a life of self-indulgence and sin and rebellion against God's will. The fruit of the Spirit that result from the activity of the Holy Spirit in a person's life don't exist in a vacuum. In fact, they can only exist and stay alive and thrive in relationship with other people. Now, that doesn't mean that every day we live, we will be able to be perfectly and totally loving and joyful and full of peace and and patience and all those other good virtues that are the fruit of the Spirit. No, we do still sin. We do still have the sinful nature within us that we struggle against each day. We all fall short of the glory of God. But since we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we also know that Jesus has died for us. And that because he did, we don't need to worry about being perfect in order to earn our way into heaven. We know instead that our sins had been paid for by Jesus. And so since we don't need to, to worry about working our way into heaven, we have all the more time than to focus all of our energy and attention and effort to carrying out The will of god in service to one another to exercising and demonstrating that fruit of the spirit in our relationships with each other that's what the bible means when it talks about newness of life that we read about in romans chapter 6. this newness is is like fresh bread uh soft and 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 fluffy and delicious not like stale bread hard and, and crusty and 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 good for nothing really Maybe you've heard of the the atheist philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. He said, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to look a little more redeemed. And uh, Gandhi in India said something similar. He said, "I, I like your Christ, but I'm not so fond of your Christians. And so they were referring to the fact that too often we as Christians don't always reveal the fruit of the Spirit in our actions and in our words in the way that God has called us to. But we have been redeemed by Jesus' death and resurrection. We have been sanctified, made holy by the Holy Spirit. But having been redeemed and having been sanctified does not mean that we are only former sinners, that we have sinned in the past but that we won't do it any longer but rather it does mean that we now live in a relationship with God in which we rest secure in his love and forgiveness. And so we are able by his power to live out that fruit of the Spirit in our relationships in order to nurture those relationships because that is what God's will has called us to do. That is what he has empowered us to do by his Spirit through baptism. You can't ignore a relationship and, and assume that it will continue without any effort, without, uh, without nurturing and feeding and caring for that relationship. And so it's through God's word the power, that the, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to produce within us those fruits of the Spirit, which we will then live out in our relationships with others. John the baptizer, baptized with water for repentance and forgiveness, Jesus baptized with water and the Holy Spirit, neither of those activities existed in a vacuum. You and I are the continuing recipients of the blessings of our baptism. We have forgiveness of sins because of Jesus' work on the cross and we receive that forgiveness through baptism. We have the fruit of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and continues to work within us to bring us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That fruit of the Spirit, that forgiveness of sins, is ours by faith. And faith is more than just a a head knowledge and acceptance of certain truths that we see in the Bible. Instead, it's a relational thing. It's having a complete trust and reliance on God as our loving Father for the sake of Jesus, our Savior. It's a complete entrusting of ourselves into God's loving care, putting our lives into his hands. So it's from that relationship with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, our Savior, as our brother, that trust blossoms. That relationship with God, that full reliance on him for eternal salvation, allows us to now live the full life in relationship to each other that God has called us to. May God grant it by his Spirit. Amen.